0: Well, hey everybody. Welcome, uh, welcome to our RUF large group. I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. It's great to see all of you. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm the campus minister with uh, Reformed University Fellowship. Uh, I'd love to meet everyone and every every single one of you. Uh, get to know you, get to know your name. Please be patient with me while I try to get to know your names because there's a lot of you and one of me, but I'll try. So please come introduce yourself afterwards and um, I'd love to, uh, to get to know you, maybe we can grab coffee, um, just get to hang out, get to know you a little bit more. Um, welcome back to you, to those of you who uh, are returning to NMSU, it's good to be back, it's good to see you this summer, and to those of you who are new, and a special welcome to you freshmen. Man, we're pumped you're here. Welcome to Las Cruces, welcome to New Mexico State, um, so yeah, we're excited to be here. Uh, like I said, my name is Jonathan. I'm the campus minister with Reformed University Fellowship, so I'm kind of I I kind of run this ship. As much as it gets run, it kind of gets run to the ground a lot. Um, I have an amazing wife named Caroline. If you get a chance to meet her, which you will if you hang out with us, she's amazing. She's fun. I have a beautiful baby girl named Phoebe. She is. She'll be six months at the end of this month. And I have an amazing puppy named Big Tuna. He's named after the office. You need to meet him too. So he's great. So um, I know y'all want to eat, so I'm going to keep this really short. I know some of you are asking, what the heck did I just stumble into? What is this weirdness? So we're RUF. We're a Christian ministry. We want to make a big campus feel small by having community, by making people get to know each other, letting people get to know each other. <laughs> and um, we, so we want you to take advantage of that. But we also want to ask, does faith, does faith in anything, but especially does the Christian faith have anything to say about being a college student in New New Mexico in 2019? And we do. We think it does. So we would love for you to join that conversation. There's a lot of views in this room. There's Catholicism. There's Mormonism. There's people who are like, I hate God. I don't believe in God. Everything's in this room. Welcome. We're really glad you're here. Please join us in conversation about faith and spirituality In the academic environment. Uh, We want RUF to be a place where you can ask really hard questions about faith and life and get answers. We want RUF a place where you can come as you are with your brokenness, with your questions, with your hurts, with your doubts and and just come and say like I don't know what I think about life and that's okay. I don't either a lot of the time. But what, what we say a lot is we want RUF to meet you where you are but not leave you there. Because I'm convinced that that's what the God of the Bible does. He meets each and every one of us exactly where we are, but doesn't leave us there. So that's what we want to do. My advice for y'all is if this is your first time, don't just let this be a one-off. Because you're not going to get to know anything in two hours. Come back for like four weeks. That's all I'm going to ask. Four weeks. Give us a chance. Come to an event. Come to a couple events. Maybe get involved with a small group. If you hate it, that's fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But give it a shot. So come back and uh, see what's going on. We've got a lot of different ways to plug in. The first thing I'll just say is I really would love for you all to think about going to our fall conference. Isabella mentioned it. It's a ton of fun. There's like a shooting range and a climbing wall and like paintball galore. It's tons of fun. So please consider coming to that. In fact, I have a sh- uh, short sign up. If you're interested... sign uh, sign up. This is not committing your soul to it. This is just saying I'm curious. Just write it down. Um, So of course we're a Christian ministry. So we want to ask, does Christianity have anything to say about being a college student? And part of that answer means we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to not always look at the Bible. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to go to pool parties. We're going to go for hikes. But we do want to look at the Bible. And so I want to spend a few minutes. Y'all this is going to be brief because I know you're hungry. We're going to spend a few minutes looking at the Bible and asking a big question and seeing what the Bible has to say about it, okay? So uh, there's been a lot of introductions this week, right? I know I've met about 400 students. I know you guys have met probably more. You've met a ton of different people. You're still meeting people. And uh, so what we're going to do tonight is, is start to take a look at, let's get an introduction To this person named Jesus Christ. Now this is one of the most loaded, debated people in human history, right? We're going to start tonight and say, who is this person? And we're going to start that by looking at one of the books that's written about him named the Gospel of John. All right? So this is just going to be a quick overview. And John's Gospel, John does exactly that. He says, y'all, I have big news. I want to tell you about Jesus. And so let's listen to what John has to say who is Jesus and how are we to understand Him? So if you have these handy-dandy bulletins in front of you or if you have someone next to you who does, uh, on, the side, on the inside you'll see uh, a piece from this Gospel that we're going to look at. This is from John, the very beginning of the book. Uh, and this is written a long time ago, but it's still very relevant today. And this is what John writes. He says, this is God's Word. He says, "...in the beginning was the Word." And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, has come into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But... To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. No one has seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Would you please pray with me real quick? Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity that we can come together tonight in what for some of us is very familiar and for some of us feels very weird, very strange, even awkward and uncomfortable. Father, we pray that as we look at your word tonight, very briefly, that you'd be with us, that your spirit would work, that we would ask hard questions of a text and that you would answer them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Okay, so like I said, we've all had a lot of introductions this week. And John is here saying, I want to to introduce you to one more person, this person named Jesus Christ, all right? And he does that. He he introduces this to Jesus. He says, will you walk with me as I tell you who Jesus is and what he's done? I'll tell you about it. And he says, if there's one thing that he could say tonight, he says, I'm going to tell you about who Jesus is. He says, I want you to walk with me as I tell you about who Jesus is and what he did. Are you willing to walk with me as I tell you about who Jesus is and what he did. And he says there's one thing that I want to start with with that. It's that this. It's that God became flesh. God became flesh. Look with me at verse 1. Look in your, in your bulletin. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now when John says the, the word, Word, <laughs> when he says Word, he means God himself, the preexistent being, in Greek it's this term logos, that means this preexistent, all-encompassing being, divine presence that's way out there. Wherever is out there, that's where he is. He's way out there, removed from our world. He exists in all time. He created all things. And it feels kind of abstract as he's describing it, right? If you look at verses 1 through 4, they kind of feel like, I don't know what to put my hands on in this feels kind of hard to understand, and that's exactly his point, is that this word is removed from what you and I live in. He's, he's way out there. It's kind of vague. It's hard to get our minds around. And I feel like that's often how many of us feel when we think about God. He's like, way out there. Where is God in 2019 at New Mexico State University? He's hard to see sometimes. In fact, I'm sure a lot of you have questions about your life and about your story. Like, where was God when blank happened? Where was God in this event? God's out there, but I can't sense Him, and John gets that. He says, yeah, God's out there. But then, skip down to verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, "...and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory of the only Son of the Father." So here it is, this abstract, far-removed being, God himself, zeroes in and becomes flesh, a real person. When he says flesh, he means like what you and I have, what the person next to you has. God becomes flesh and can be seen and touched by other people. In theology, we call this thing, this enfleshment, we call it the incarnation the incarnation when God himself takes on human form, human body, human limits, human needs, human desires, the incarnation. Now, some of you are asking legitimately, what in the world does the incarnation have to do with me getting up on a Thursday morning and going to my lab? Well, labs don't meet this week. Going to my class. What, why does this matter? How does this matter? What difference does this make? It matters to the extent that someone's actual presence makes a adi- makes a difference in the way that a text or a phone call doesn't. Think of it this way. Let me try to illustrate. So some of you know that my mom has been really sick the last couple of months. My mom's been fighting cancer and uh, heart disease and all this stuff, and um, so this summer was really hard for my family. My mom had to have um, uh, heart surgery, and she's going through all this process, and it's been really, it's been hard. So uh, earlier this last month, I was, uh, I was visiting her, and she just um, kind of like spiraled and had to go to the ER. So she's going to the ER. She's in a ton of pain. She's just had open heart surgery. Uh, she's really hurting. She's discouraged because the her- her- heart surgery was supposed to go better, and it didn't go very well. And so she's just discouraged, and so she's in the ER. In, she says, like, John, it was the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. She's like, childbirth had nothing on the pain I was in. So she's sad, she's discouraged, she's in tons of pain. It's this really dark moment. And so she's kind of in the ER doing the processing and all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, her doctor comes into the room. This is not just like the ER doctor who's on call, but this is like her doctor, the doctor who is overseeing her care, the doctor that she's been developing a relationship with, the doctor who she knows and who cares for her. He just kind of walks into the room And just stops everything and just puts his arm around her and holds her. And she starts sobbing. And she's sobbing into his expensive stethoscope and his expensive lab coat. And he just holds her and he doesn't say anything for three minutes. That's a long time, y'all. Three minutes of him just holding her and her crying in pain and in sadness and in frustration and discouragement. He just holds her. He doesn't say anything. He knows she's hurting, she's dying. And then he steps back in the midst of all of that and starts directing her care personally. Starts telling nurses what to do. Starts telling her what drugs they need to give her. Starts telling her how they need to position her that will deal with the pain. Now, y'all, here's the thing he didn't need to do that. He wasn't on call that night, he wasn't even in the hospital. Somehow he found out that my mom was there, and he comes and he sees her. And he starts taking personal care of her. And here's the key. He starts bringing light and hope and healing to her in her very darkest moment. Yeah? Now here's the key. His physical presence was so much more healing and restoring and powerful than if he had texted the the doctor on call or if he had just called in and said, Oh yeah, I I hear Sarah's in the hospital. Do this, this, and this. He could have just done that. No, but his presence of walking into a hospital room, taking time out of his schedule, holding her, letting her cry on him, was so much more powerful, so much more healing and restorative than a distance, than caring for her from a distance. And here's the thing, y'all. John tells us that that's exactly what Jesus Christ is and did. Do you see what he says here? Jesus Christ is not just a text message for how how to clean up your life. Jesus Christ is God invading earth in flesh, coming down, putting His arms around humanity, putting His arms around us and saying, cry, it's okay to not be okay. And then here's the crazy thing, is Jesus comes in and starts bringing healing and restoration and hope to a world that is dark, depressed, broken, hurting. That's why the Incarnation matters to you. Because let's be honest, there are ways this week, there will definitely be ways this semester where you feel the darkness, where you feel the brokenness. And in those moments, that's when, the God, when John comes and says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us for you because He loves you. The word became flesh means that God himself comes into our lives of loneliness, pain, sadness, frustration, and starts healing, restoring, and fixing it. That brings us to our second point, which is this. that That is what God does when he does that. It's called grace. It's called grace. It's that process of God involving himself in our mess. And in the Bible, the word for that is grace. Look at verse 16. It says, "...from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace." that is out of God's full divinity, out of His Godness become f- flesh, we have received grace upon grace. What is grace? Maybe you've heard this word if you've grown up in the Christi- Christian tradition. Grace is a simple idea. It's just an undeserved gift. It's a gift that, ye- that we didn't earn and that we don't deserve. So when it says grace upon grace, it means that God in the person and the work of Jesus Christ piles undeserved gifts, piles, undeserved favor on top of us. Just like that doctor came in. Here's the thing. He didn't need to do that. He left his home. He drives to the hospital. He finds the room that she's in. He walks in. He gives up an evening to care for her. She didn't deserve that. There was another ER doctor who could have done that. And yet, here's this doctor who gives up his time and his energy to come in and care for this woman. That's grace. It's an undeserved gift. It's an undeserved favor. So here is John saying that God in the person of Jesus piles grace upon grace to us. Verse 12 tells us in different words. He says, For all whom receive him who believe in his name, that's another word of saying of trust in Jesus, he give the right to become children of God. That's the biggest grace of all. That God comes in and says, you can be children of the living God. And not of the God that's way out there, but the God that lives right here that worked and died and lived right here on our earth. That we, if we had been there, we could have touched God. That's grace. And we can be His children. That He lovingly adopts us, even when we're sick, even when we're dying, even when we're in darkness. So what does that mean? Well, last point, I'll be fast on this. It means that for those who have believed in his name, and that's the whole reason John is writing this book. He tells us why I'm writing this book. He says, I'm writing to you so that when you all look at who Jesus is, this word became flesh, and when you think about it, it is you believe in his name and you have life in his name. That because when we believe in him that Jesus comes and starts to heal your brokenness, heal your darkness, heal your sickness... Now, that doesn't mean everything's going to be right, but it means that God is with you in the midst of it, with his arms around you, loving, caring, providing, and ultimately healing. So what John is saying here in these verses is this. He's saying, let me show you the Jesus that I walked with, the Jesus that I touched. Walk with me as I show you who he is, and eventually get to the... trust him. Trust in who he is and what he's done and how that can bring healing and meaning and restoration to your life. Now, that can spark a lot of different reactions from a lot of different people. Some of you might be incredulous and think, yeah, right, prove it. Prove it, Jonathan. Why does this God become flesh matter? And to you, John would say, strap in, friend. I'm going to tell you some stories. I'm going to tell you some stories of what Jesus did that will blow your mind. Some of you would think, I get it. I need Jesus in the darkness of depression and loneliness and suicidal thoughts and despair, sadness, abuse. And to you, John says, keep listening. Come back. Surround yourself in this person, Jesus, who can bring healing and light to your darkness. And to all of us... John says, believe in Jesus. Believe that he is God. John wants to persuade all of us to believe in Jesus or at least to stick with him until he can show us who Jesus is. Believe that he came to deal with our darkness and that by believing we can have life. So to all of us, we should be curious at the end of this. We should be like, I'm curious. I need to know more. Tell me more about who this is. And John says, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to tell you story after story I'm going to tell you from Jesus' own mouth how he brought healing and light and hope and beauty and dignity and change and purpose to a world that's dark and despairing. That should change our minds. That, should sh- that we should be curious. So we'll spend a semester exploring that. So I hope you all will come back. I hope that you all will come back and be curious enough to sit at John's feet as he tells us who Jesus is. So join with us. I encourage you, join with us as we look at this person of Jesus and see how we can have life in his name. Let me pray for us really fast. Father in heaven, thanks for this word. Thanks that we can uh, look at it, see how it applies to our lives. Give us courage and curiosity as we delve into it. And In Jesus' name we pray, amen.